Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of See You at Yours with myself, Matt McGinn. It's an absolute pleasure to have as my special guest on this episode a singer who comes from an incredible heritage of Irish music. Her mother is Frances Black, her aunt is Mary Black, but in her own right, she's an incredible artist, a wonderful singer, and a very, very gifted songwriter. This week, my special guest is Aoife Scott. Just before we do get started, I would like to say there was a small technical hitch with Aoife's microphone. It was my fault. There was just a small glitch or clacking sound from it. I was going to start editing around it, and then I realised that once it started doing that, it started to really take away from the serious crack and energy that was coming from this girl. She's just a class act and serious value. I love talking to her, and so I just left it in. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will enjoy it. And if you do, go and leave a review, leave a five-star rating, and if you do that, it'll be a really good thing for getting this podcast out there. And just for a second, I would love to give a special mention to our sponsor for this episode. It is Two Stacks Whiskey. They're an incredible, young, vibrant whiskey distillery, based local, based in Ireland, and they're just breaking all the shackles off Irish whiskey and bringing it to a new level. Go and check them out at twostackswhiskey.com. You won't be disappointed. And many thanks to them for supporting this episode. Now, without further ado, this is See You at Yours and my very special guest, Aoife Scott. Enjoy. You did the Late Late Show in about 2016, and that was for the first album. I think it was Wild Atlantic Way you did. And then in 2020, you did it with one of the songs off Homebird. It wasn't Homebird, was it? But um, it's almost like... Like I love, I love the first performance, and then it's almost like in that four years you went and served your time. It's almost like that that first album was like, let's just see what what I can do here, and and then it's almost like you know, and then because whenever you then you come back in two thousand and twenty, it's like, holy shit, this girl is like, you know, it's like she went away and you know served her time and came back and it's like, holy shit, she's like incredible you know i mean you, you're you, like thanks very much um I, I i feel like you've picked two examples of um you know i don't know about you about whether you have like i'm very hard on myself you know and after i did the late late show in january 2020 obviously the first one like you can see by my face i was just like I, I equated it to my wedding day if I ever got married that it would be the same feeling <laughs> as you would to get married like because I was like this is the best day of my life I'm on the Late Late Show I finally made it you know I was like Granny look at me you know it's just like the biggest deal ever you know and it really was the biggest deal ever because you know the Late Late Show is um, notorious for being hard to get you know and I had been approached by the Late Late Show, you know, during the week of that week, and they were they were looking for somebody, you know, that week, which is so obviously somebody pulled out or whatever, and they said, uh, "What have you got?" Like, and I was like, "Well, I have this song, like, you know, <laughs> this is my song, like, you know, it's gonna be it's my song on my album, like." And they're like, "Yeah, no, you can't, <laughs> you can't, uh, you can't play your own song." They were like, "You have to do a cover, right?" 
And so this was my big chance, like, and I was going, oh my God, like, so they want me to do a cover and then I was like trying to rack my brains and so what covers, I don't really, I don't, I'm not great at singing songs. You know, I have the odd song that I cover, like, but I'm not like, I don't have them like in the back pocket, like, oh, I'll do this song, you know? And uh, I was like, I'll, I'll do Biddy Mulligan, the pride of the girl. <laughs> was like, right. <laughs> not only that's gonna work for the Late Late Show. So um, anyway, I said no. And it was like the biggest thing ever to do, to say you no to no that. To the, to, yeah. to the show? Yeah, I said no. I said, wow. I'm sorry that that, like, you don't think that my own songs are gonna work here in this situation. But I just feel like that I'm not in a position to sing somebody else's song. And I'm really sorry. And I was I was crying right now, like, cause it was like, this is this was my dream come true. And then two days later, she got back to me and said, all right, you're allowed to sing Wild Atlantic Way, so go for it. And I was like, yes! So, like, for me, it was like, you could see my face. It's just like, I'm so happy. Like, so it was another win, you know, I won this situation. But, you know, because for, for me, like I said, you know, performing and connecting with the audience is a huge thing, right? So, and I come from a background of telly as well. Um, and so I'm very aware of the connection. Like, this is a really long story about the Lele Show, but it just comes back please, to... Please, please. This comes back to, like, what... Um, this, this year's Lele Late Late Show, like... But, um, so... I was really nervous, obviously, but, like, buzzing off my face, you know? And uh, they wanted as many people as I could get, like, in my band, you know? So I had my brother, I had my fella, I had my best friend, you know? And then I had all these other people trying to, like, fill in all the, the tracks and stuff, you know? And... It was about eight of us, like in this big dressing room in Northy, like, and the, the lads, of course, are there, like, and we're there all day, you know. And I'm like, lads, please don't go to the pub, like, please, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to convince them <laughs> not to go for a pint, you know, because I'm shitting it that they'll come back locked, you know. And then, um, so anyway, I ended up talking to the producer who's who ended up offering me the, the gig, like, and I was like, and the executive producer, I don't know, I've never met him since actually. And uh, I went up to him on the sound check and I was like, you know, you know the way the audience come in, like, and, you know, it's, like, before the show and there's a warm-up, like, and there's always, like, either a comedian or somebody there, like, giving away prizes and all that, like, and getting them all locked, like, gets the audience going, you know? And uh, they were like, well, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say it like that, but <laughs> I was like, you know the way it starts, you know, it could, I'm wondering, could I come out and talk to the audience, right? And they were like, what, what do you mean talk to the audience? They they were thinking the audience at home that I wanted to like, you know, have a little chat with the at home audience. I was like, no, no, no. I mean like before the, you know, just the before when we're, when they're warming up, like, and uh, they're like, okay. I was like, I just want to teach them the song. Like, because that to me, if they start singing it, I'm going to be happy. And then what will happen is, is if they're connecting with me, you know, I'm buzzing off my face and that's going to make it a better performance because I'm going to be buzzing. I'm not going to be as nervous. Like, and they're like, okay. So like, Anyway, we're waiting around the back of the thing and, and the audience come in and like, um, you know, uh, one of the cabaret uh, quartet or whatever is uh, is um, doing the kind of the warm up, you know, and he's giving away prizes into the audience. He's actually just throwing them into the audience. It's like a toy show, like, you know, and it's like, here you go, you know, and it's like, oh, who wants this? And they're all shouting and they're all winding them, you know. And they're like, OK, well, we've had a, we've had a request here from one of the guests tonight. She wants to come out and talk to you, you know. And uh, I was like, shitting it, you know. <laughs> I was like, what was I thinking here? So, but I was just thinking, if I can make them my friend, then I'm going to make the audience at home my friend. That's the only thing I was thinking. Like, I was like, if I can make this audience my friend. So I, uh, 
your man goes, please welcome me for Scott, like, and then I walk out and my brother walks out with me and Andy, my partner, walks out with me, like, and it's a real memorable moment, like, you know, where we're kind of just before the show, obviously, and so the audience is, is there, they're like, who's our one, like, you know? coming out like and the two lads are sitting on the actual you know late late show couch like andy and owen are sitting on the couch and i'm standing and i'm going right come on even now you can do this like you can do it right? like, how's it going you know and they're like hello you know it's kind of a bit quite quiet like you know i was like how he is uh my name is Eve scott and uh this is the best day of my life and i just want to tell you that uh both my grannies are dead but if they saw me right now I know that they'd be so proud of me and I can't believe I'm on the fucking late show. <laughs> anyway, so I started saying to them like, I was like, look, um, I have this song and it's a new song and I have a new album and it's my first album and I just wanted to uh, ask you, would you sing it with me when I'm singing it later on when the, when the show happens? And then I was like, would you sing it? And they're like, yeah. I was like, so I started doing the chorus and I'm like, when will you bring it? And then they start singing it over and over and then they all start singing it like, so basically that just calmed me down straight away like I was like right okay and they all gave me a massive round of applause then when I walked off because I was just like I bet you they're all at home texting your ma's now telling you look at me I'm on the telly because I'm texting my ma as well I wouldn't let her come I didn't let my ma come that day and um, <laughs> so anyway walked off feeling buzzy like and delighted or whatever so then I was walking out like on my stomach I had about four pairs of spanks on me to fit into this dress that I was like and I was singing to a backing track. I don't know why I'm going into this real long story. It's just how you brought it up. I was singing to a backing track, which is really hard because I'd never sang to a backing track before. And we didn't have a beep either on the backing track. Oh. And so Andy Andy had to just guess um, when it was going to start. Like he was just like, press play. And then it was like, doo -doo -doo, you know, so they went wide or whatever. And I started singing or whatever. And I remember being kind of out of breath as well because I was just so adrenaline-y. And just feeling this like elevation, like as if I was on drugs, you know, and because I didn't want to be going in the middle of the song, like, come on, let's hear you sing it to the audience on the telly. You know what I mean? So that was the reason why asking them to sing along with me beforehand and getting them to do it was the major thing, you know. And um, then when they just when they started singing, you know, that to me just. I felt so much love and that's what happens in the audience for me when I'm doing a gig is when I get audience singing along and I always do because it's it's the black family thing like is that <laughs> um it just becomes an an, an an exchange of love like you know and that really was a major thing and that's every you'll just see my face just going <gasps> you know like just this biggest buzz ever like and then you know comparison to 2020 which was like so I had to do that as a pre-record um, because whatever happened on the day of the Late Late Show, they said that they, they couldn't have me in. Oh, because Niall Horn was on the show and they were doing this mad security thing. So I had to do my pre-record and um, so no audience in the, in the room and was absolutely shitting myself, like really shitting myself and couldn't decide on the clothes, like just complete opposite of the vibe. Then I, so I wasn't at home watching it and then I looked at some tweets and just couldn't watch it. Couldn't, I haven't actually watched it <laughs> since because <laughs> people were kind of a little bit mean. I got three mean tweets and then all the rest were lovely. Oh. Do you know what I mean? But of course I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like couldn't stop thinking about it and couldn't stop crying the next day. And it just was the worst 
it just got into my head, like, you know what I mean? And I just because was like... Because of the mean tweets or just... Yeah, because of the mean tweets and just thinking about anybody thinking about me negatively. Like, I just took it so personally, like, and... Like, why would anybody say something mean about you? Like, when you're all you're doing is singing the song that you really love that your granny taught you. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the only thing, like, that, you know, so... It's funny to hear your opinion of the 2020 January because for me, I haven't watched it. Now I've clicked on it and then stitched off. I haven't, like, I've kind of <laughs> flicked over it, like, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I had, like, just, like, so three mean tweets and then some kind of, like, don't like your hair tweets and then oh. all the rest were lovely, you know? And I got my fringe cut really short that week and, like, it was a nightmare because I got, I was, all of a sudden I got the Late Late Show and I had to go and do it and... um. It was just, yeah, it was just one of those things. And I, now I'm looking back on it and I'm really grateful for being able to do it, have had done it, like, and I feel really proud of myself for doing it because there was no audience there and I had to kind of fake uh, this, that joy of being able to sing it to the audience. Do you know what I mean? And there, it is a joyous song, like, but I was absolutely shitting it, like, much more than I was the first year. And I think that's just to do with doing it to an audience. And that brings it back to live streams. Like, when you're doing live streams and you're, singing it down to a camera like you just feels so weird like and yeah yeah comments at least <laughs> that's the only thing <laughs> <laughs> no I, I can't understand the the especially the the you know like I've, I've been in the company of of uh you know girls coming off state you know you know doing doing in the rounds and stuff like that there and and uh and people coming off the stage to these tweets and you're going like, I know yeah I have no idea what would what sort of mentality it is that makes somebody go this is the right tweet now for this this is, not, yeah. this is an appropriate tweet like you know it's a very it's a very it's a very weird thing as well and i'm terrible for when my family members are on the telly i check twitter and i'm real really aggressive like and i'm really, like replying back like you know and uh, and then i like don't do it don't do it either because they'll be embarrassed you know what i mean they'll be embarrassed like and i'm like you you know like trying to reply back to them and, you know, people are so mean, like, and it's just the weirdest phenomenon because I could never imagine writing out something as mean as, or any meanness, you know what I mean? Even if I say it at home or even if I'm feeling like, ah, they shouldn't be on, you know, and I get real, like, you get a bit bitter sometimes, you know, you're like, how do they get the Late Late Show? I should be on the Late Late Show, you know, everybody gets a bit like, and then I realise that I'm being a bit mean, you know, and, uh, and then, but I never, ever, I just can't imagine it. Like, I just can't imagine that you feel that bad that you have to say that online where people can see it and tweet it at them, which is mad, really yeah. mad. When will you bring me my love, counting down the days? When will you bring me my love all along the wild Atlantic way? I'm sixty years and always caution, waiting for the day, day that we're returning home all along the wild Atlantic way. We we were chatting about maybe getting this uh, thing going, like in about February or March. Oh and yeah, you were just about to take off. On like a US tour? Yeah, we were in America um, when it happened. And yeah, we had a great like first two months of the year. You know, we got to launch the album. The new album came out and we got to launch it at Tradfest and they got to go on the Late Late Show. And um, we were, it was in, in, in the Button Factory in Dublin and Ron, who produced the album, 
had come over from uh, Nashville and he did the album. And Ron, the, Ron Block. Ron Block? Yeah. On the way. Oh, my God. Like, it was basically a dream come true. And it's the only thing that keeps me going now when I think back of it. Because if I had that planned and it was cancelled, I think I would have been really yeah. heartbroken. And the fact that we can think that back now and go... God, that actually happened. I remember that. And that was, and I'm actually going to put up a post asking people if they got any videos from it because I wouldn't have watched them, like, you know, because I would have, I am very kind of perfectionistic and I don't like looking at myself too much, but I'd love to see some of the stuff from that gig now, you know, because I didn't even think of getting people to record it because I was just like, come on, just do the gig and do it as best we can and hopefully hope for the best, you know. And it's just one of the best memories that we have this year. And then we had, we went to France. I was in India in February and then we went to France. And then in March, we got on flight. We were meant to play with Ron in Nashville at a festival. And it was like going to be like on Paddy's day. So it was going to be like this massive break for me because I was breaking into the scene. I, you know, I'd never played in Nashville before. I've only ever played in the Midwest in America um, and New York and kind of the East Coast as well. I've done like one or two in California, but like, I'd never gone down to Nashville to play and like this was going to be a really big deal. We played, we sang once in the Station Inn with Ron when he was asked to get up and he got asked yeah. us to get up and that was great. But like we'd never, he was playing with me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in Nashville, <laughs> like what? Like that was going to be the big thing, you know? Um, and so we ended up flying to Florida. We did one gig in Florida and we were kind of, as we left, there was a lockdown in starting in Ireland. And I don't know what we were thinking, like we were going, should it America? Because I was asking people in America, I was like, are the gigs cancelled? Or they're like, no, you know, come on over. Like, and it's because America was so behind, like, and even still feels like they're still behind. So, yeah, it was fairly traumatic getting home all of a sudden when, when everything started to close. We were in Nashville and things started to close there. And we just started to panic and we were trying to get home and getting flights home. And I was like, on to Erling, it's like, hours and hours trying to change our flights and I had me and Andy and Colin was out there as well and I had booked it all so it was all I had to ring and and, and be on the phone to all of them like for like in the middle of the night and just trying to organize we had so much gear over there like we had a PA and um we just had to figure out where to put it all you know what I mean because we had planned to drive it all over and then leave it somebody and you know it was just it's just so messy and yep. all the all the merch and all and then at the same time, I suppose your family's text flat, texting you flat out because they're... Yeah, they were kind of a little bit, like a little bit worried, but not really like, you know, they like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, we're grand, you know, because we were lucky that we were with people that, you know, what we were worried about was that we get stuck there. Do you know what I mean? And then, and what if yeah. we caught it? Where would we go? You know, because you obviously have to go into isolation for two weeks and we didn't have, we didn't want to be calling into anybody's staying with anybody you know we do you know we don't have a position where yeah. we can go and self-isolate we wouldn't have enough money for two weeks in a hotel like so like that was definitely one of the fears was just getting home and so yeah we got home paddy's day uh that morning and <laughs> we were hilarious like we thought the shops would be closed and all you know we were sitting outside of shops at like six o'clock in the morning like trying to get in and get a loaf of bread because we've been hearing all this like stories about the toilet rolls and all you know and like i was like bulk buying bread even though we don't even eat bread you know like we were just like get this well get a nice slice pan quick you know put it in the freezer <laughs> and, uh, it's sort of like whenever you go to whenever you go to 
electric picnic or something like that yeah. there and you're, you you know you end up buying all this stuff that you've never used totally. before in your life yeah yeah it was really like that but um yeah no we were and it's funny because we only thought that it would be a few months like we we thought we'd be back out in the road in the summer and you know um i remember thinking we were we wrote a, a song um called sweet october and we wrote it in april and it was like we i couldn't i couldn't sing it through without crying because i was thinking to october and really grieving the gigs and my job and work and who i was and i lost my identity like massively like still don't know who i am anymore like i'm just like what the fuck i don't know what's going on you know but um i'm kind of more accepting of it like everybody else is everybody's just like oh we're all the same boat like and it's definitely not as as traumatic as it was like um you definitely have days where you're like what the hell how <laughs> am i gonna pay the rent this month but it's, it's still kind of okay at the same time you know and i don't know what that is about i think it's just about going with every day and just going on oh, we're lucky that we're have our health and we're lucky that we're nobody sick and we're lucky that we can see our family while the lockdown is lifted you know gratitude is the main thing that keeps us going yeah Dublin can be heaven With coffee at eleven And a stroll Through Stephen's Green There's no need to worry There's no need to hurry You're the king And the ladies are queen Grafton Street's a wonderland There's magic in the air There's diamonds in the ladies' eyes And gold dust in our hair and if you don't believe me, come and meet me there In Dublin on a sunny summer's morning I think if it's, if it's any benefit at all, I, I would say regarding yourself, I mean, there's, there's a lot of artists, probably even like myself, that feel like they're always sort of like uh, having to be productive and pushing out material and stuff to sort of keep there. But I really think that, that you're, I don't know, there's something, there's something about like your demeanor and songs once somebody is hooked into you that they're there oh, you thanks know, very and, much, and, but I, I do believe that because well, and it's mainly yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> and 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 for that reason whenever you use, whenever on pause is, is pressed in 2021 with a bit of luck you won't have regressed any and you, and people will still be sort of chipping into you and were you talking you know, to colin today by any chance are you talking to my manager about my <laughs> mentalness <laughs> You're just t- telling me the exact same, exact things I need to hear right now. It's like, wait a minute, are you my therapist? Maybe, maybe Colin is a very wise man. <laughs> no, I feel like that. And there is that thing, you know, where you have to be present and you have to look like you're busy, you know, on social media. And you don't have to look like, you know, you're doing stuff. Because when it comes to, I don't know, when it comes to booking, you know, because I used to, I book myself for so long, like I was constantly booking myself, like that it was just, you had to show that you were doing all of this to be able to get booked yeah. by the bookers, you know, and that's the thing that makes me, so I, and I think you're, I think that's a lovely thing to say and you're, and I, you're probably right because I do feel like that when I do anything on, online and Facebook gives back to me, uh, Facebook is a huge thing in my life, like, um, and I feel like there's so much love from people all over the world that I forget. Do you know what I mean? So I'd be in my mental stage of like, what, what's happening and where am I going and what's doing? And then I put up something small that I wouldn't even think about. And the reaction I get is unbelievable. And, and that's a huge thing. But then you just feel like the other side of the industry is the thing that you just, it's not about losing fans or, you know, it's not about being forgotten. It's more like 
what happens when we go back in 2021? Will there be gigs there? And will they all be booked up? Like, and will, you know, it's just that kind of pressure of keeping the show on the road, you know, because it's both of us. I I feel pressure from, you know, even with having a manager now, you know what I mean? That I have to be busy. I have to be earning. I have to, because everybody's relying on on me to, (laughs) to, to keep it all going. Like, you know, and Andy's with me, you know, Andy's teaching now and stuff like that. So it's not as, as big of a deal. But at the start of the lockdown, I was like, how how am I going to keep everybody's wages going here? You know, when I was constant, you know, we were going to have the busiest year we ever were going to have in our life. Like we had so many gigs and then it just mm-hmm. disappeared. Like, and they'll, those, I know those gigs will come back, but it does feel like you, you ha- you're starting from scratch. Like, and then in one way I'm yeah. like, oh, that might be actually nice to do. You know, that might be nice to start from scratch and take <laughs> all the pressure off and just see what happens, you know. But I haven't really used the lockdown as, as something... I feel that's one thing I feel kind of um well what's the word like bad about is that I haven't achieved uh huge growth musically. Um and I still but I still feel like we've still got a long way to go. So I I'm you know, hopefully now in January that I'll just start breaking through because I've a lot of fear when it comes to exploring musical stuff like, you know, I just like I'm shit. You know, that's all I hear in my head. I'm shit. What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop writing. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a huge mental torture that I have to do to get through it. Like, and I'm thinking, right, in January now, this is it. I'm going to pick up these the bazooki. I'm trying to learn the bazooki for the last six months. And there's just a mental block of like, put it down, put it down. I was just listening. I think it might have been... Um the fuel I need, I think it was. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. going myself. I, w- I would love to pick up a b- get a bazooki, a good bazooki, and, and it's my favourite instrument. And yeah, it's it's something that I just absolutely adore. And I have a nice bazooki there. You see, whenever you you look at your first album. And your second album, normally what happens, and I sort of feel like with second albums, is almost like to go, okay, well, you know, this worked, the first album worked, and then it's almost like to start listening to people, and one person says, oh, I really like that about the album, and I really like that. And the second album can just end up being this, like, mesh of... Yeah. Like, it's just like, you know. Now, your second album, it's like, it's... It still it doesn't do the thing that everybody does where it's like throwing the kitchen sink at it. It is just it's it, it sounds like the first one that it's just basically you and the song. Yeah, and then yeah. The yeah. the little bits on the outside are, are lovely, but it, it it's just you and the song. Like you know, was that like a deliberate thing or is that wrong or? No, well I think that's probably something that I'm actually you're probably you're right. Like and that's the thing that I think about that I haven't achieved. Like I haven't gone past the. You know, I haven't moved past my first album. I've just did my second album and it, you know, I didn't, I, I grew up obviously and I'm not as um, stressed about vocals and, you know, all the things about making an album. But um, I suppose I feel like I didn't push myself loads to be um, experimenting or anything like that, that I just was like, okay, this is what I sound like. And I think yeah. that's on some days when I'm in a good mental health space, that's, you know, I'm real proud of that. Like, you know, I don't, I don't try and try and be the cool thing. Do you know what I mean? And I just try and be who I am. And 
this is what I sound like and I'm not changing for anybody other than you know because as well I get compared to my family so much like and that's something that I really had to take on like and just go yeah I sound like my mom I sound like Mary yeah so what like that's that's just part of who I am I'm genetically similar to them like there's nothing I can do about it and the same with making you know the further of a second cd like is like i didn't i didn't push the boundaries too much like i went we went to ron and we recorded it so in one sense it's, it sounds a little bit more american which is not something that i wanted it to sound like i wanted it to sound what ron was going to make it but not american that was one of the major things because i don't feel like i'm in any way american at all like i'm massively influenced by american music and by ron's music and growing up listening to him but I suppose I really had to be me because I'm the most Irish person that you're ever going to talk to in the world. Like, and so, you know, we spend a lot of time in America, but at the same time, I definitely don't want it to sound American. But at the same time, you want to let Ron rip, like, and just do an American thing all over your songs because it's unbelievable stuff, like, that he's doing. Um, but yeah, I suppose in some days, you know, I didn't spend too much time trying to develop a sound for the second album. And we had plans to make a song and make a completely different album when we went over there. And our, our crowdfund actually says it's completely different when we did a video and all. I actually crowdfunded for a completely different album that we ended up making. <laughs> and I, we were going to do songs from the Liberties, which is where I'm from. And we had started writing songs about the Liberties and, and collecting songs about the Liberties, historical songs. And when we got to Ron, we were going to start, you know, an EP on that, like we were going to do an EP with him and then maybe an EP, you know, of other songs that we had written. And when I couldn't record the Liberty songs in America, like I was like, this is so weird. I can't do it. I just can't do it. Like, I just can't. It just seems so strange to me. So we ended up writing songs over there. We were in an Airbnb and we were like running out of time. We had this studio time at Ron. We were like, OK, we need another song. What are we going to do? Come on. So we get up at like five and myself and Andy would be working on riffs and we had like versions of songs like fuel was written in the kitchen the morning that we recorded it like um because Jeez. we were just like we, we had all these liberty songs ready to go and they were just put to the side and so we had a big gaping hole where what were we going to do and yeah well that's just do it so we finished another reason and fuel i need over there um in the airbnb before we were supposed to go recording them that day like so they're really new like in that sense you know and not gigged which is mad you know That's and mad. i had learned from the first album that you know they really should be gigged because you need to develop them a relationship with them you need to develop the sound of them and um but i suppose another reason and and feel i need being so new like they just developed into what they are like and you just have to accept that that's what they sound like now you know and that's that's it like that's part of it so like there's certain things that i might i might change you know what i mean like it might gig them like you know i might have a longer outro i might have put more breaks in anyway but sure we'll see you're another reason for the sun to shine you're another reason for the sun to shine
And when he came, to his true love's dwelling, he's knelt down gently upon a stone, and through her window, he's whispered low. I hadn't really any idea how much of a songwriter you were because I, I just assumed that you, one of the traits that you had taken from your mum and your aunt were the fact that, that you just knew how to pick really good songs that, that were sort of like under the radar that nobody knew and then I started looking at it and I was like, oh, shit, she wrote Wild Atlantic Way. She wrote, you know, uh, Reason. She wrote, like, and they stand with like some of the some of the best songs. Like, the, what's the Luke Kelly one you do? The... Uh, where, oh, Night Pissing Song. You mean Night Pissing Song? Yes, uh, and it's one of the most beautiful songs in the world. Like, it really and is, yeah. Your songs are just sitting there with it, no problem. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess, uh, and that's, you know, it wouldn't be something that I'd be really confident about because I don't play an instrument. So I never write the melody part of it. So they're always co writes. Um, anyway, I, don't, I do write the melody part of it, like Tangled. Andy. Andy's always like, he, I, if I hadn't met Andy, I wouldn't have made a second album, I reckon. But, you know, because he just, and actually wouldn't have made my first album because he was there in my first album as well. He just believed in me so much that I just went. Class. So Andy would always be like trying, he's always writing, like he could be writing in the kitchen now and I'm like, like, um, you know, I kind of look at it as work, like in the same way as an assignment. You know what I mean? I'm like, right, better write an album. Like, what are we going to write about? Like, um, and so... With Tangled, I was going through a bad kind of period. Uh, I had been on the road for so long that I didn't really deal with some grief. My granny dying and her, her dog passed away and stuff like that. And a friend of ours died as well. And I was just was reading a lot at the time. Um, I was reading a, a book called um, The War of Art. And it's by Stephen Pressfield. And it's about, about writing like... And I have his other one here just looking at me. I have to read it. It's called Do the Work. But... Uh, it just really opened my mind as to like, you know, you have to just face the resistance. So the resistance is always at you. Like, you know, you're always, the fear is always trying to make you not do the thing that you're meant to do in your life. Like you're, which is, yeah. you know, what you want to do. And you have to just face it like, and don't be, and get up in the morning and write. And this fellow, that's what he was saying. It's about anything creative, but like he was saying, I get up in the morning and I'm writing at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, the way Nick Cave does that as well. Like you're just like, I'm just writing, you know, where I read the book uh, and took on some of the stuff. I don't do that, <laughs> but um, I did do it in this particular instance with Tangled, you know. I got up one morning before Andy, Andy had sent me the chords. He's like, this, I have this thing I wrote, and what do you think of this? And I just sat here on this little desk and I wrote the lyrics and the melody and um, it, just, it just came out like... Um, and it that's kind of usually the way songs come out of me. Like it take might take me a year to be able to write another one, when then they just kind of fly out. Like, um, yeah. And I can feel like there there is going to be some more stuff coming now. Like I can actually feel like that this is another cycle. Like of like, all right, okay, you know, I can actually feel them starting to bubble now a little bit. Like, and um, and because otherwise, if I put pressure on myself, then I'll just be like, that's you know, right and mad shit and not. Well, that's okay as well. Like, but. I think that's my fear is that I might write some crap shit <laughs> and then I won't yeah. ever write again, you know, because that's the thing. It's like, if I know that it's shit, then I won't ever write again. So, 
That's a lot of pressure that I put on myself. But yeah, and I think I have the thing that my mom and Mary have. I suppose Mary has written a couple of songs. My mom has, has, has dabbled as well. But um, you, when you don't have an instrument and you don't play an instrument, that it, there's a huge uh, self-consciousness there, like, and you just feel a little bit um, intimidated by by the that element of that that music musicality. Like, but I guess I have very lucky. I'm very lucky to have two amazing co-writers that were very patient mm-hmm. with me and. Uh, yeah, help me get to where I want to get to, even if I'm a Brilliant. lunatic, you know, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. They're very lucky to have you as well. Now, I mean, the thing is, it's like you can sit two boys that play guitars up on a stage and uh, no matter how good they are, the audience will just sort of be about 20 minutes in, start to sort of the concentration will go. But if you can, if you're if you're telling a story the way that you can do it, with those lyrics, with the likes of Tangled, it is class and straight away it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're offering a little piece of yourself in that song. Which is uh, no, it's class. What was it? there was something? Oh, and the thing is that book you're talking about there. Like I think in the same sort of way, it saved me from reading the whole book. But like about ten years ago, a friend of mine uh, said, you know, if something scares you, do it. And I always try. And I would imagine it's probably the same thing that you got before going out on the late late show. Whenever you just had that idea of going, I'd love to get the audience to learn this song, and and then all of a sudden you go, but that would scare the shit out of me, and then you go. But that's yeah. probably a <laughs> Oh no, yeah, I'm I'm it's funny cuz like we went to, we went on tour in Australia after the first album, right? And like that's a huge thing like going to Australia because it's so expensive. And yeah. I had a band, I had like me, Andy and uh Connor and Eamon. And so there was four of us and we were over there and we were like, you know, at some stage we had like two weeks off, like three weeks off. And I was like, what are we going to do? How am I going to keep these lads alive? And you do feel like you know, as the person who's booking these gigs and bringing them over, the how am I going to keep them alive is the main thing. And how am I going to feed them and keep them in the bed? Like, that's just the main thing. And so we we did it anyway and I managed to come home with some money. Like, But before we went home, we went to New Zealand for like 10 days and we did some house concerts because we didn't have a visa or whatever. And uh, but just before we went to New Zealand, I saw this uh, fella uh, trying to do a bungee jump uh, off um, in Lake Tapo in, in New Zealand, right? And uh, he was suspended by a phone book, two phone books put together, right? So it's to do with physics or something like. Anyway, we were talking about it. Yeah, it was a weird thing. So they, they, they put the two phone books together and then they clamped them, right? And then he he literally bungeed off, off, off that phone book thing, right? So whatever it was, something to do with physics, they were proven in Lake Tapo, right? But I was going, absolutely no chance you'd get me bungeeing into a lake absolutely like so thing and whatever it was that because i actually said that to myself i was like if we go to new zealand i'm gonna bunny jump because i kept four lads alive in australia for whatever it was three months you know and that will be my thing that i achieved that so like i was like if i'm so scared of that i'm gonna do it so we went to lake Tabo and i bungeed and it was uh, oh my god it was i definitely wouldn't do it again like definitely not something that i enjoyed like but uh yeah i always feel like if i'm that scared of it then i'm gonna have to do it yeah um because it's not not a nice feeling to be scared of something like that like to be you know and to, to be living your life in fear and that's why i'm a musician now because i spent um like all of my life hiding and telling everybody that i didn't want to be a musician and that i didn't want to follow in my family's footsteps because i was so scared of being compared to them and being the one that didn't make it and the failure and the fear of failure is like was the worst thing in the world so i was always just working and 
um, telling people I didn't want to sing and it was just lying to myself. And so then I gave up work and then I was like, right, well, I'll, I'll have to make an album now. And it took me four years or something to, you know, I kept kind of going back to work and doing bits and pieces. And then I was like, right, well, I have to not work at all now unless I'm going to make this album. Like, and so the fear of being poor <laughs> knocked it out of me as well. It's like, yeah. right, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to start making, earning money. Like, and how am I going to earn money and need an album? And you know, like, this is, this is what it is. Like, you know, and it's, uh, it, it was just the fear of the fact that I was so scared of, of, of failing, like of doing it and not doing it well. And people thinking I was shite was the huge thing. And, uh, yeah, just that freedom of that, like where you just go off with that, like it nobody cares, and you know, and and the fact that I didn't care to be compared anymore to my family, like you know, it's just like the freedom of that, like you just that massive teenage chip just flew off my shoulder, and I was just like anybody who says it to me is like you sound like your mom, like immediately after I come <laughs> off stage, and like that's sometimes I kind of get a little like it does come back the old teenage Eva comes back, and I'm like, you know, uh, but you know at the same time. I've learned to be really grateful for it, like really grateful for it because I wouldn't be singing if I didn't uh, have my ma and I didn't sound like my ma because it's, you know, she gave it to me and so did my Auntie Mary. So, um, yeah, that's what I've really learned to be grateful for that. I've always been so awkwardly honest. It's been something I've had all my life. Now I've had to make myself a promise Not to live so close to the edge of the night I'm tangled and I'm twisted All in knots and in It's also the fact that there's no gimmicks, like, there's no, there's no, like, you know, maybe maybe if I try and sort of do it this way, that it, they'll like it more, or whatever. It's 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 just it's just you. I mean, it's the reason why I love the likes of you know listening to to your mum and your aunt and Paul Brady and Christy Moore and all that. It's it's the only between, thing between you and them is the microphone. There's no persona, and it's I think that's what people uh, love to watch when they're watching you, and that's why once you're there, it's it's infectious. Like, and you're definitely not shite. <laughs> and for a thank thank God that you that you did finally succumb to what you were supposed to do. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's I'm lucky. I feel lucky for it all, definitely. Brilliant, yeah. Well, here I'm not gonna. I, you have got a radio show to get together. I'm not gonna keep you anymore. Yeah, thanks for asking me for doing it. If absolute pleasure. Thank you for being on. See you at yours, and um, with a bit of luck, we'll uh, we'll see you further on down the road. Thanks a million. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of See You at Yours draws to a close. I really hope that you enjoyed listening even half as much as I enjoyed having the crack with Miss Eva Scott. Make sure to check out her music. As soon as she is back on the road, go and see her live. I'm going to be sitting at the front row. I have no doubt that that's going to be a lovely show. Many thanks to you for listening. Many thanks to Two Stacks Whiskey for supporting the show. Check them out at twostackswhiskey.com and I will see you for another episode very soon. Sit tight, leave a rating, leave a review, and I will see you soon. Thank you. <laughs>